Well, again, we're going to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, we're kind of winding down in 1 Thessalonians. Been uh, looking at this for uh, several weeks now, for a few months now, in fact, uh, as we've been studying 1 Thessalonians and uh, getting to the end here. So as we look at this and look in the Word of God and begin to understand, uh, here it is in uh, chapter 5, here it is that the Apostle Paul talks about uh, the, the coming of the day of the Lord. And the, you know, as Christians, we don't have to worry uh, about the day of the Lord. Uh, those who are not Christians, they greatly, greatly need to be concerned about uh, the day of the Lord. They need to repent and they need to uh, get their lives right with the Lord Jesus Christ, come to know Him as their Lord and as their Savior. And so when we look at this and begin to understand that the day of the Lord is coming, uh, but as Christians, we are not children of the night, we're not children of the darkness, we're children of the light. And so when we look at that as children of the light, we recognize Jesus is coming back. We know that Jesus is coming back. We don't need to be warned of the fact that Jesus is coming back. We recognize that truth, and as we recognize that truth, we need to live in accordance to it, but we also need to understand, you know what? Jesus is coming back. We need to live like it. Amen. Jesus is coming back and we don't need to worry about whether or not uh, he, he's coming back to condemn us, whether or not he's coming to cast us into hell, whether or not his wrath is going to come upon us because it is not. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But at the same time as servants of God, we need to understand that the master's coming back home. Amen. The master of the house is coming back home. Therefore, we as children of God need to live as though the master of the house is coming back home. And so what the Apostle Paul does here is he begins to close off 1 Thessalonians, as he begins to bring this to an end. He gives a list of several, uh, several things right here, several uh, things that he, that, that he wants us to know and understand and live in accordance to with that Christian concept. Conduct, but there's a purpose to it. There's, there's a, a reason behind this. And the reason behind this is as he's speaking to the church of Thessalonica, he wants the church to remain in harmony. He wants the church to continue to conduct themselves as a church, and he wants the church to continue to be unified. And so when we begin to understand this, there's two things that we recognize and are very, very clear within the Word of God is that Two things that God requires and two things that God requires out of every Christian, every church is that first of all, there's proper Christian conduct. Amen. God wants us to have that proper Christian conduct. In fact, you know, we've been looking at 1 Peter uh, in Sunday school and in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 14 through 16, it says this and says, as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in the ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Amen. And so when we look at that and begin to recognize, here it is that God has called the called each one of us, called every Christian to be holy. Why? Because we're His children and we're called to be holy because He is holy. 
holy. And so when we recognize the holiness of God, we recognize our call to live holy. God has called us to a certain standard. God has called us to a certain code, and that, that is nothing short of holiness. Do we live in accordance to that all the time? No, we don't, but that's what God has called us to. Therefore, that is what we strive for within our everyday Christian walk, our everyday Christian life. And so the Christian conduct is seen very clearly uh, here in the closing of 1 Thessalonians, and it's seen very clearly throughout the entirety of the word but what is the purpose of this the purpose of this is unity and, and so when we see that there's disunity within the church that's usually as a result because the folks within the church didn't take their Christian conduct personally all that serious and when you don't individually take your Christian conduct all that seriously guess what it's going to in fact it's going well in fact is probably the right word but it's going to affect the entire church amen and so it's going to affect everybody it's going to affect your family it's going to affect your church and if the church isn't acting properly it's going to affect the community as well and so God calls the church to be unified and so as God calls the church to be unified and recognize that we are to be a unified body operating as one not operating all as individuals but operating as one we also understand that Satan would love nothing more than to come in and disrupt things and to ruin things and to get us all focused and so just as we looked at last week you know we're children of the light and as children of the light we have responsibility and as we looked at last week the responsibility is first of all to stay awake right we need to stay awake and secondly to stay sober to be aware of our surroundings why because we have an adversary and that adversary wants to come and just rip things up and tear things up and pull things apart and cause all kinds of confusion and cause all kinds of disunity and God wants unity to be in the church because when the church is unified the church is powerful when the church is uh, 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 not operating in unity or having power struggles or just kind of everybody out there doing their own thing their own way uh, disregarding what God has called them to do then guess what the church is not going to be the powerful church that God wants it to be in fact Jesus prayed uh, in, in his high priestly prayer Jesus prayed that his people would be one amen he wants us to live as one he wants us to operate in one the Bible also tells us that God is not a God of confusion and so when we recognize the fact that God is not a God of confusion he wants unity within his body in church of Corinth there was great disunity uh, within the church of Corinth and so there's a reason one of the reasons that we have uh, the book of 1 Corinthians and so the Apostle Paul writes to the church of first uh, the church of Corinth he writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning in uh, verse 10 and he says this to them he said now I exhort you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment so he said I, I don't want there to be disagreements among you I don't, I don't want there to be that disunity among you and then he goes ahead and tells them in verse 11 for I have been informed concerning you my brethren uh, by that uh, always people that there are quarrels among you 
There are quarrels among you. There is disunity among you. And so he is writing to them, letting them know this need not be. Amen. This is the house of God. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This need not be that there's quarrels and there's disunity uh, within your body. And so we continue to look in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to get to 1 Thessalonians in just a minute. Uh, as we continue to look at 1 Corinthians, he says this in, in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual men, to, but to men of flesh. As to infants in Christ and to carnal men, right? I'm speaking to you as carnal men, men of flesh, the babes in Christ. He's talking to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you're not able to receive it. And so, in other words, he said, I gave you a baby's bottle because that's all you can handle right now. Amen. I wanted to give you a steak. You should be at the point of eating steaks right now, but all you can handle is the baby food, right? And that's your own fault. That's nobody to blame but you yourself. And why is the reason? He says, for you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshy and fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? They're, they're fleshly, they're carnal. They're babes in Christ, even though they ought to have maturity within them at this point. And so what is the reason for this? What is the reason of this great carnality and this great rebuke by the Apostle Paul? He says in verse 4, he says, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another of Apollos, are you not of mere men? There was division in the church. It says there was division in the church disunity in the church, they were walking in carnality. They were walking as babes in Christ. Yes, they were Christians, but they weren't acting like mature Christians. They were acting like a bunch of babies. <laughs> Amen? And so as we see that, we see that very clearly here in the, in the church of, first, uh, in the church of, of Corinth. Apparently, there wasn't those problems in the church of Thessalonica. He didn't address any of those problems, at least, in the church of Thessalonica. In fact, he praised them that they seemed to be a very good church, seemed to be a very solid church, that, that, that he praised them for their work. He praised them for the fact that, that uh, the whole world has heard about their faith. So apparently those problems haven't struck within the church of Thessalonica. So why did he address those problems? He addressed those problems because he didn't want those problems to arise. <laughs> Amen? So therefore, you have that proper Christian conduct, not only for your own personal benefit, not only for your own personal well-being, but for the personal benefit of your family and for the benefit of the church, because once carnality arises within you, it is infectious and it is going to spread, to spread to your family, it's going to spread throughout your church family, and it will destroy a church. And so when I look at that, 
You know, one of the great things, as we already talked about, is of, uh, and you know personally, you know already, that, uh, you know, in heaven's gates and hell's flames, one of the things that it does not just sees, uh, not, not just see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it brings great unity within the body of Christ. Amen. As individuals work together. And so as a pastor, as I've had uh, heaven's gates and hell's flames and churches that I've pastored before, I see, I've seen that myself as we've gone on mission trips and we you know go and do that work for the Lord and we see that great unity and we have missions projects and evangelistic projects and all those things that the church is there working together and we see that great unity within the church Satan absolutely hates that and what he would love to do nothing better than is to get in there's nothing he can do about your salvation he's there's nothing he can do about the fact that we we are a church, but what he would love to do is get in there and stir the pot and mess things up and get us all distracted where we're all going about doing our own thing our own way and there's no unification in there and nothing's getting done. Amen? And that's not here at Mill Creek Baptist Church, but we need to be on guard. Amen? Just as it apparently wasn't taking place in Thessalonica, they need to be on guard. And so we need to look here in the Word of God and we need to recognize within the Word of God what are things that the Word of God says right here, what is the instruction, the exhortation that here it is that the Apostle Paul was giving to the church of Thessalonica. These weren't just last minute thoughts that he was writing down. And oh, by the way, I, you know, I forgot to say this and I forgot to say that. So let me just jot a whole bunch of things down. You know, these were very brief statements and each one of these brief statements you know can stand on their own i could preach a sermon out of each one of these brief statements that that he said but just for you know sake of time and looking at the purpose of all of this the purpose of why all of these are put together again not just last, last minute uh statements or just not last minute thoughts but they're together for a purpose for a reason that first of all we have proper christian conduct and the result of that proper christian conduct is that there's unity within the body of Christ. Amen? That there's unity within the body of Christ. And so as we look at this, we look at these texts of Scripture, we, we, we recognize here it is um, within uh, the Word of God. We look at the authority within the church. And so he says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, verse 12 and 13. He said, But we request of you, brethren, that, we, uh, that, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instructions and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So there, there's that unity. Live in peace with one another. Right? So how are we going to live in peace with one another is that we recognize proper authority and we live in accordance to proper authority and when we try to buck that proper authority then we're not going to have peace. In fact, we look in Romans chapter 13 when it talks about the government. When it talks about the government it says that you know, God has, you know, by His you know, divine authority, the Word of God tells us there that, that God is the one who put in place that government and so if we're going to have 
peace within the land, that we, then we need uh, to respect that government. Now, that being said, if the government is telling us to do wicked things, the government is telling us to do things contrary uh, to what the Word of God tells us that we should do or shouldn't be doing, then I'm going to obey God rather than men because that's what Paul and uh, John did when they stood before the Jewish court and they said, no, we're going to obey God rather than men. Amen? And so they didn't stop preaching the name of Jesus even though the court of the day told them to stop preaching the name of Jesus but when it comes to regular everyday life if you want to be if you want to have peace then obey the government right I don't have to worry about driving up and down highway 43 as whether or not I'm going to get pulled over by a police officer if I'm doing the speed limit amen if I'm obeying the laws I shouldn't have to worry about whether or not that those blue lights are going to come on and I end up getting a ticket or hauled off to jail if I'm doing the very simple thing of obeying the law. Now something I have discovered about Highway 43, it's either 95 or 25. There's not a lot of in between, amen? <laughs> and so as we, we look at that, it, you know, if we're obeying the law, we don't have to worry about it. But within the church, there's a, po a proper structure as well within the church. And so when we look at proper structure uh, within the church itself, you know, God has given to us pastors. God's given to us deacons. God's given to us elders. God has given to us overseers. And we see those within the church. And so as God has given to us uh, pastors or overseers, the word's kind of used uh, as one and the same right here, we find in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, Be on guard for yourself and for all of the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Now, what is the pastor? He is a shepherd. He is a shepherd of the church of God. And it is his responsibility, as the word of God says right there, to be overseer. And who has made him an overseer? The Holy Spirit. God himself has made him an overseer to be a shepherd of the church of God. And so to shepherd that flock that the Holy Spirit has made him, an overseer of and that's what that's who God has called and you know I've seen some churches and, and, and there, there's some churches I can call them by name right now I can call individuals by name I'm not going to do it but I could do it there's some churches that aren't that far away from us that of individuals within the church that think that that is their church and the pastor is their hireling and they're going to tell the pastor what he needs to be doing and what he doesn't need to be doing and how he needs to do it and when he does needs to do it and when he doesn't need to do it when to stand up when to sit down and they better do it the exact same way that they tell them to do it because if they don't they're going to tell them to hit the road and that's why every other year they have a new pastor amen and that's why they're not growing and God's blessings is not upon them and it won't be as long as they're operating under those conditions. Now the pastor is just the under shepherd. It's not his church either. Amen. 
Now his church, as we look at the end of verse 28 of Acts chapter 20, uh, what does it end with? He, he tells them, among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It's God's church. It's not the pastor's church. It's not any of our churches. It's God's church. Now, we're members of the church, and we're blessed and we're honored to be members of the church, but it is God's church that has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ by a very great price, and we need to take that serious. Amen? Now, by the way, the Bible also tells pastors not to lord over the church. Amen? So it's, it's, it's not my job as a pastor here to lord over and to be the dictator of Mill Creek Baptist Church, but to just help move us in the direction that, that, that the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God is saying, this is the way we need to go. Amen? And, and to help be that under-shepherd for, uh, the, for the well-being of all of us, the well-being of the flock, the well-being of those in the community that we are there as a lighthouse, or we, we are there as an embassy, we, we are there, we are here as ambassadors in Christ Jesus to bring in the refugees. <laughs> Amen. And that's what we're here for. It's just the shepherd's responsibility, to, the pastor's responsibility to help move us in that direction, to keep us all focused, to keep us all engaged. Amen. To equip the body for every good work. It's what the pastor's called to do. But we try to buck that. And I've never seen that not once here. And I pray we never do. But if we try to do that, that is going to cut off God's blessings right then and there. I can promise you. We also see in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17 says the elder who rules well, uh, the elders, plural, who rule well are to con, uh, consider, uh, are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So when we look as we see the structure of a church, we have a pastor, we, we have deacons, and we have elders. Now, pastor and overseer are really one and the same when you begin to look at that. And so then we have deacons and we have elders. What is a deacon? A deacon is a servant, right? And so as a deacon is a servant, you know, we have many, many servants within the church. And the Bible tells us right here uh, to, uh, to appreciate those servants within the church. Appreciate them who diligently labor among you. So we have many servants within the church, and we're to appreciate every single one of those servants, but then there's the office of deacon. Amen? There's the office of deacon that we're also to appreciate, and the deacon certainly is a servant, but you know, we, we have, in our operation, deacon is somewhat working as an elder board as well and helping move along the progression of the church. And so they're also a position of authority there within the church as well, and they're also not to lord over the church in that same manner. So when we look at this, we need to respect that authority. We need to honor that authority. Why? Because that's ordained by God. Amen? 
It's ordained by God. This is the way God has set things up. This is the way God has established things. It doesn't mean that the pastor is anybody, any better than anybody else in the church. It doesn't mean that the, the deacons uh, or elders are any better than anybody else in the church. It's just a position that God has given to them, ordained by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Called and put there by the direction of God Himself. And so we also continue to look at this. We're going to have proper order. We're going to have proper function uh, within the church. We need to disciple one another. Right? We need to help grow one another. We need to help mature one another. We need to help move one another alone. I've already said that it's the pastor's responsibility to equip the saints for every good work. The Word of God very clearly tells us that truth, but it's every one of our responsibility to help move us forward and motivate us and bring us to where God wants us to be because you know what? Sometimes the sheep can be stubborn. <laughs> I got some loud amens on that one. The, the sheep can be stubborn. Amen? And, and I know that for a fact. I know that for a personal fact for me. And I know that for a personal fact of trying to work with some sheep that are some hard-headed maverick sheep and just don't want to go away at God's Word. Listen, I, I remember sitting down as a, as a brand-new pastor. I just, just started pastoring, and I had a woman in the church get upset with me. I was young, and I thought, you know, everybody's going to get on board. Everybody's going to move forward. And so this lady, she got mad at me. She stopped coming to church. She didn't want anything to do with it. And so I got one of the, I think I got two or three deacons. And we went by her house, went to visit with her, sat down at the table with her, opened up my Bible, and I said, the Bible says, and she stopped me right then and there, and she said, Brother Rusty, I know what the Bible says, and I don't care. Well, we have nothing else to say. Amen? Now, she repented of that later. We actually became very good friends later, and I actually ended up preaching her funeral. And it was a celebration time. Amen? Of her home going. But at that time, boy, she sure didn't want to hear anything. <laughs> and so, as we look in the Word of God here in... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. Verse 14 and 15 says this. It says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Sometimes there's some unruly among us. We need to admonish them. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. This is for the benefit of all of us that we're to be doing these things. And so basically as we begin to understand what does it mean to disciple one another, what does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But as we disciple one another, we're continually trying to push one another closer and closer and closer to Jesus Christ. We look at the person of Jesus Christ. You know, we look at the, the church body as a whole, and there's a lot of folks in here this morning. Praise God for each one of you. And as we look at the, you know, the, the, the universal church, 
church, it's just overwhelming as we see how many Christians that they are uh, within uh, this world. But when we look at the person of Jesus Christ, what did Jesus do? Jesus had 12 disciples and he pulled those 12 disciples together and they walked with Jesus for three years. And then he had three even within that that was in the inner circle, right? And then he spent a little bit more time uh, with those three. And so he had those 12. He walked with those 12 for three years. And then after three years, he said, I'm going to go be with the Father. Now you go start doing everything I taught you to do for these three years. Amen? Job's now yours. Get after it. That's what discipling is. Spending a certain amount of time with folks for the purpose of encouraging them and moving them and pushing them towards that goal to where you can finally kind of step back a little bit and say, hey, now's your turn. You get after it. Amen? That's how we get workers within the church. That's how we grow workers within the church. And I praise God for the workers that we have within Mill Creek Baptist Church. And I praise God for each one that is doing these very things. And we need more and more. But that's how we're going to get more and more. By discipling more and more. And encouraging more and more. Growing one uh, more and more. So we see Jesus doing that. Not only do we see Jesus doing that, we see here, here come Barnabas. Who's Barnabas? His name literally means son of encouragement. So what does he do? He takes Paul underneath his wings. He begins discipling Paul. He begins encouraging Paul. He tells the church who's definitely afraid of him that it's okay, you can trust him. God genuinely done a work within his life. And then all of a sudden, Barnabas kind of steps back off of the scene and all we hear about is Paul. And then here comes Paul guess what? He's got some folks that he's taken up under his wings. He's got Timothy. He's got Titus. He's got uh, Silas. He's got Luke. He's got all these folks that he's taken underneath his wing. And now he's telling them, you know, as we see within those pastoral epistles, he's telling them, okay, now it's your turn. You get after it. Right? And that's the way it works. We continue that process. Sometimes Individuals get a little hard-headed, but we need to be just as hard-headed. <laughs> we need to be just as determined to help move them forward and to help encourage them. The last thing he tells them here, I believe, is to stay focused on Jesus as we look at verses 16 through 22. 16 through 22, as we look at this, wouldn't think he's talking about this being for the unity of the church, but is absolutely for the unity of the church. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything, give, th- give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not uh, despise prophetic utterances. Be, uh, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so as we look at these things, what is the purpose of of these things? The purpose of these things is, yes, it is for your own personal well-being. It is for your own personal good, but it is also for the good of the whole body. Pray without ceasing. You hear me quote that a lot. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. You know, 
Being a Debbie Downer is contagious. <laughs> Amen. Oh, how was your week this week? It was awful. It's just horrible. Everything's bad. Nothing's good. You just don't know how bad I have it. Amen. Well, the Bible says rejoice always. Doesn't mean things don't get bad. They do get bad. That's why right after rejoice always it says pray without ceasing. Amen. Amen. We need one another in that way. We need Jesus. So the sum of all of those things, the sum of all of those things is to stay focused upon Jesus. If we get focused on the things of this world, boy, it is sure enough easy to get, get to turn into that Debbie Downer. Amen? Everything in this world is bad. Amen? My body's in pain this morning. I don't have any energy. Didn't feel like getting out of bed. Don't feel like moving, in fact. But you know what? Praise God I did. Because I'm here with y'all. Here with the body of Christ. You help encourage me. You help lift me up. We stay focused on Jesus together. And you know, we can't do it alone. Amen. We need one another. It is so vital that we have one another. As the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. As one man sharpens other, we need each other. And it comes to that point to where the brother or sister in Christ can't come to us. We need to go to them. Amen? Because we need one another. They need us. They were being greatly persecuted. They were being heavily persecuted. And they had every reason in the world not to look up. But here it is that Paul's telling them to look up. Look up and stay focused upon Jesus Christ. Stay focused upon Him and Him alone. Because the moment that you don't, guess what? That roaring lion that's roaming to and fro seeking someone to devour is going to take that opportunity of the time that you have fallen asleep, of that time that you have been distracted, that time that you are not being sober and you're not being vigilant at that very moment. And he's going to take that opportunity and he's going to pounce, and he's going to bring you down. He's going to bring everyone else down with you. Unless see everyone else is doing what they're called to do and runs that old lion off and draws you back into the fold. Amen? So we need to take personal Christian conduct very, very seriously for ourselves. But also for the sake of the unity of the body. The moment we don't, that adversary will pass. 
He's waiting. He's looking. He's paying attention. And we need to be paying attention as well. But not on him. We don't, we don't need to worry about him. There's no weapon formed against you that will prosper. Amen. Greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? So we don't need to be focused upon him or the things of this world. We need to stay focused on Jesus. Amen. Who is almighty, all-powerful, sovereign God. Closer we get to November the 13th, I can promise you, many of you already know it, the closer we get, you just watch out. Here he comes. He wants to start stirring that pot. Amen? You know it. That's why we're praying every Sunday morning. You need to be praying every day. Second, you become a Christian. You come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Here he comes. The second you as a Christian decide, you know, I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start seeking. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Here he comes. I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm telling you that to warn you. He doesn't want you to be the mighty man or woman of God that God wants you to be. Again, stay focused on Jesus. You don't have to worry about him. He doesn't want this church to be a powerful force for the kingdom of God. But as long as we as a body stay focused on him, we don't have to worry. Amen? So you continue to pray for the church as a whole. You continue to pray for one another. See somebody slipping, let's go after him. In love and admonition of the Lord, let's go after him. Draw him back into the fold. Let's continue to be the church that God's called us to be. And if you yourself are struggling, pray without ceasing, but draw out somebody else. Say, hey, brother, hey, sister, would you pray with me? I can't do this alone. You can't do it alone. You're not expected to do it alone. And God's put another brother or sister there to help carry you along. Amen? So let's be about that business of being there for one another. Right now during this time of invitation, listen. As the praise team comes forward, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, none of these promises are for you. They're not available to you yet because you're not a Christian. You're not a part of the body of Christ. But as each one of you stand this morning, today you have an opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come receive that free gift of salvation by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. Would you do that today? If you've not done so already, You're here today and you say, well, I am a Christian, Brother Rusty. I know without a doubt I'm a Christian, but I am struggling. 
You can walk down this aisle right now. You can take me by the hand and I will pray for you. You can come down to this altar right now and you can pray. You can seek the face of God. Or you can reach across the aisle and grab another brother or sister by the hand and say, pray for me, pray with me. I can't stand alone right now. Amen. You can do that in this invitation time or you can do it as you're walking out the door. Doesn't matter when you do it. Just matters that you do it. <laughs> Amen. That you do it. But here in this invitation time, if you need prayer right now, if you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come. As God so leads. These cards are up here in these crosses. Put names in there. There's names that are already in there. You know of lost people, you want to write their names on one of them blank cards and put it in there, do that. But let's pray for these names. Let's pray for them and lift them up that they get saved and come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You come as the Lord leads. Ask me not, oh gentle Why? Wow.